0: Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Earlier this week, I was having dinner with some friends, and over the course of conversation, kind of the question naturally emerged as to, they said, Stephen, do you have any goals for this new year? And I wasn't really prepared for the question, because I hadn't really been thinking in those terms, and so I kind of do what I normally do when somebody asks what is potentially an invasive question that I'm not ready to answer. I just kind of parry and avoid and kind of come up with this kind of quick, you know, retort and response, and so I just said, my goal this year is to not have any goals, You know, my resolution is to not make any resolutions. Uh, But as I begin to think more about their question, uh, it it emerged from do I have any goals this year and more about what do I want this year to look like? And then this question kind of bubbled up for me uh, that has been haunting me ever since. And I want to share it with you this morning because the question that I have been wrestling with is who am I becoming? That's the question that I've really been struggling with lately Uh, because whether we are intentional or we're unintentional about it, we're all becoming something. We're all becoming someone, a version of ourselves that is different than our current selves. There's a version of ourselves that we will become in the future that does not look like in every same shape and form as the version of ourselves that we are today. And so I began to ask myself and tried to stop asking myself and I kept asking myself, this year, 2021, who am I becoming? It's a, it's a question that is difficult for me to answer um, because it's a question that I don't think our world asks anymore. I don't think it's a question that our world wants us necessarily to ask anymore. It presents us with all of these actionables and measurables and deliverables and all of these tasks and boxes to check off more ways to do or more things to gain or become or to add or to incorporate new rhythms or habits or all of these things. Um, And inevitably, I think what we lose inside of it is who is it that we're actually becoming? That's one of the interesting things I think that has happened over the last 12 months, particularly right as the pandemic hit, is it caused us to stop all of the busyness and all of the doing and all of the being and all of the things that we were chasing after and striving after and hurried with and busy with and distracted by. And there was this moment where it really caused us to pause. And in that pausing, in that disruption, in that space, I think for some of us, whether we wanted to or not, we begin to ask these questions of, what is my life really about? What really matters? Versions of the question that I've been wrestling with, that I've been haunted by, who who am I becoming? And what I think is important about this is the recognition of how quickly the space to ask those questions leaves us. You know, I remember right as everything kind of moved towards a place of lockdown in our world, you know, earlier this spring or last spring I guess it would be I would notice that I would look out my window and I would see families going on walks. And I would see you know, mothers and daughters on bike rides and dads throwing the ball you know, in the field across the street from my house. And I saw all of these ways that we weren't distracted, that we weren't busy, that we were just being. And I even heard so many stories from you about how nice it was to have a moment to pause, to breathe, to reflect, to have dinner as a family, to go for walks as a family, to be present with those that you loved and cared about. I heard stories about how nice it was to have a break from all of the rush and the routine and the distractions and the busyness of our day-to-day lives, the ways that there's a little more space, there was a little more openness, there was a little more opportunity to actually just be. Was one of the things that has impacted me most, maybe as a pastor, is I didn't know another way to move the church towards health other than to try to push it towards growth numerically. How many people do we have and how much money is in our budget and how many kids are in the building? And so when the pandemic hit and everything stopped and I didn't have those measurables or those metrics to cling to anymore, it caused me to begin to ask the same question that I'm asking myself. Who am I becoming? As a church, who are we becoming? I think that's an important question for us to ask today and it's a question that I want us to continue to ask over the next several weeks which is why we're starting this new sermon series because it is so easy for us to become distracted, to become overwhelmed by the choices and the voices, the speed in which our life moves, the needs that we have around us or that we think we have to do all of the things and to be all the places for all of the people in all of the ways and I think it's easy to lose sight of what really matters which I think we can get to. When we ask the question, who are we becoming? And so this morning, that's the question I want us to ask is, who are we becoming? Maybe to give you space to begin to think about that in your own life. To let it trouble you in the same way that this question has troubled me. Because there are more choices than ever before about who we could be. Or what we could do. Or the ways that we could spend our time. The places that we could go. What our life could look like. Never before have we been inundated and overwhelmed with the amount of choice that is presented to us. Almost to the point that I feel like we have more choice than we have capacity to manage those choices. And because there is such an influx and an overwhelm of all of the choices available to us about what our life can look like and how we should parent and how we should raise our children and the ways that we can construct our lives or lead in business or arrange our finances or any of the things and the questions that we ask and that we wonder and that we sort through, the way that our mind is cur- you know, constantly searching and scanning for are we doing this the right way and what are the different choices available to me to do it a different way, Because of all of that, I think it's easy for us to lose sight of the things that are most important, the things that matter most to us. And Additionally, in addition to all of the choices that we have available to us, there is this unbelievable influx of all of the voices in our life, all of the opinions that we have about how we should live our life and who we should become and what our life should look like. From the billboards that we see on the highways to the phones and all of the targeted ads and the ways that we are constantly bombarded with these messages about what our life could look like, what our life should look like, if we could only buy this thing or live this way or move into this certain neighborhood or to do all of the things. And so we're constantly overwhelmed with all of these voices about who we should become and what our life should look like. And then on top of all of that, there's this myth that we have to wrestle with. This myth that with all of the choices available to us and all of the voices and input and opinions from our friends and from our coworkers and from all of the voices in the world about how we should live our life, there's for some reason this myth, this belief that we can actually do all of the things. There's this lie that we buy into that we can be everything to all of the people at all the time, that we need to be Everything to all of the people, all of the time. And so, all of these choices and all of these voices, we feel like we have to respond to and to take them up on the promise that they're offering. And so, what we find ourselves in is this, this people who are exhausted and who are weary and worn out and racked with anxiety. In regret and guilt because we're never measuring up and we're never able to do all of the things and to meet all of the goals and we constantly feel like we're failing and it's not good enough and we're constantly trying to navigate and come up with a new strategy or a new solution to provide for our family or to care for our loved ones or to be a great boss or to be you know a good friend to the people in our lives and it all just oftentimes feels like too much I think that was what was so nice at least for a moment, about the beginnings of kind of this COVID pandemic, there was a break from all of that. There was a space, there was a pause, and it caused us to reevaluate whether or not the way that we were actually living was leading towards life. I would challenge us and contend this morning that this frantic, busied, hurried Fast-paced, all over the place type of living that it is so easy for us to get caught up in, isn't actually life because it's not a life that's connected to the things that truly matter, to the deeper, to the deeper aspects, and so it leaves us in this emotionally unhealthy, in this spiritually shallow and empty type of place. And I don't believe that that is the life that God wants us to have. I don't believe that that's the life that God has designed us for. In some of the work in this sermon series that I have been doing, I came across this poem by T.S. Eliot, and I want to read it to you today because I think that T.S. Eliot accurately describes our current predicament. This is from his poem called Four Quartets. He describes us today, distracted from distraction by distraction, filled with fancies and empty meaning, tumid apathy with no concentration, men in bits of paper whirled by the cold wind that blows before and after time, wind in and out of unwholesome lungs, time before and time after, eructation of unhealthy souls. Distracted from distraction by distraction. Filled with fancies and empty meaning. Tumid apathy with no concentration. Men and bits of paper whirled by the cold wind. I feel like when you look around our world today, when you look around our community, when you look long enough into the mirror, this is a picture of what you see a fragmented and fractured and distracted people cut off from what it truly means to be human, what it truly means to live a life of purpose and of significance, shallow and devoid of the substance that we long for. There's a world filled with phonies and snake oil salesmen and empty calories, and we just think that if we can just get a little bit more of the more, then it will finally be enough. And I think what I want us to journey together on and what I want us to experience together is a questioning of all of the ways that this world teaches us to live. A challenging of all of the common you know, folklore and logic that we use about how life is supposed to go. The modern notions of what life should look like. I think it's time that we begin to challenge that. Because if we're being really honest, it's not working for us. It's not serving us. All you have to do is turn on the news or open your social media feed and you realize that there are very few happy people in this world right now. There are very few satisfied people. There are very few people who are connected to significance and to purpose. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to stand as a light in this type of world. We're called to stand out, to live differently, to act differently, to love one another, and to interact with one another differently. And it is time in our world that our world has something different than what it has constantly served itself again and again and again. But I believe that we can do it. And so this sermon series is going to be different than maybe any of the other sermon series that we've ever done. Because it's not going to be about me sharing some information with you that I hope makes your life better. While that is true and I will share and hope that your life is changed by this, what I want to invite you on is a journey that we're going to go on together. It's a journey to explore tools, habits, rhythms, routines that I think can totally upend the way that we think and feel and operate in our life tools and rhythms that help us answer the question of who we are becoming. And So over the next several weeks we're gonna go on an experience together. A journey together, an exodus from one place and one way of living to a new place. But it's a journey that I want to invite us to do as a community. This isn't just I hope a couple of you will take me up on this offer and these are some pretty good suggestions that I hope that maybe a couple of you will apply in your life. This is gonna be an experience that as a church I'm going to be sharing my own experiences with. The struggles that I have adding these things to my life or removing these things from my life or participating in these things or showing up in this way, the rest of my team will be doing the same. Allie talked a little bit in the announcements this morning about the ways that we'll be sharing this information, this journey, the ways that we can work through this and navigate this experience together as a group. But the goal of all of this ultimately is to arrive at a new way of being, a new way of living our life, a life that is tapped into and connected to deep meaning and true purpose. I'm tired of shallow, empty, lacking, constantly feeling like there's not enough and that I'm disconnected from God and from others in the way that I really want to be. I want to live a life that allows me to fully show up for people. That causes me to be my best and truest and deepest self. And the advice that the world offers isn't going to get us there. The choices and the voices and the speed at which they encourage us to live our life will not take us to that place. Scripture is filled with reminders of this truth. One of my favorite comes out of the very first psalm. It describes this ancient problem that we have because we are constantly distracted by the new ways that the world is encouraging us to live, the new choices it's encouraging us to offer, the new voices it's asking us to listen to at the expense of the deeper, truer wisdom that God provides. This is what Psalm 1 says about this very old problem that we are still experiencing today. The truly happy person... Another version might say the blessed person. Another understanding would be the person who is deeply connected to life, to meaning, to purpose. The person who is living in in the fullness of what it means to be human. The truly happy person doesn't walk in step with the wicked, the sinner, those who misunderstand the purpose of life. They don't stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. These would all have been ancient categorizations for people who aren't connected to the true wisdom of life. It's not about the right and wrong choices we make in this context. It's about the people who are cynical or skeptical or hesitant. The people who don't realize that there is a deeper wisdom available to us. The people who only offer superficial and surface level advice and options and opportunities that leave us longing and desperate for more, disconnected from our truest best selves. The truly happy person doesn't follow those paths. But rather, their delight is the law of the Lord. This doesn't just mean doing the right things or following the rules, but it means that they find their truest best selves in the wisdom of God, in the guidance of God, in the presence of God. Those who meditate on his law day and night, who are constantly connected to the wisdom that God offers us. And then it paints this picture. It's a picture that I love and it has formed kind of the original identity of what I think it means to be a church. The original identity of what I think it means to be the grove. It says, they are like a tree planted by streams of water. This tree is connected to and is anchored into this continual source of life, this continual source of purpose and of meaning. And this tree, it bears fruit at just the right time. In moments of difficulty, it has the resiliency to withstand it. In moments of need, it's able to act with justice and compassion in moments of uncertainty, it clings to a deeper hope, to a greater belief in something other than itself or the institutions and the principalities of this world. And whose leaves don't wither. And whatever it does, prospers. You see, the psalmist paints a picture of what our life can look like when we are connected to the wisdom of God, when we live in the way of the wisdom of God, like a tree planted by streams. We bear fruit, fruit of kindness, patience, forgiveness, selflessness, compassion, mercy, justice, fruits that when I evaluate the world around us, I see very little of. But yet we're called to be something different. To offer something that the world doesn't encourage us to offer. To sacrifice ourselves for the betterment of other people. To be generous when it's easier to be greedy. To be kind when it's easier to criticize and condemn and to tear down. The psalmist goes on and says, And the leaves, they never wither. There's never an absence of connection to the source. When life gets hard, they're able to withstand it and they find success, whatever they do prospers. It doesn't talk about financial success, but it's talking about what it means to be human, that they never lose sight of who they're becoming, and who they're becoming is always connected to the wisdom of God. And then he contrasts it by saying, but that's not true for the wicked. They are like dust that the wind blows away, and the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So you contrast the two images. One is a, tr- is a tree, a big tree planted by streams of water. The prophet Jeremiah borrows this image and talks about its roots extending along the banks of the river. So you can imagine that this is a strong tree, a large tree, a resilient tree, so that the winds, when it blows and the storms that come in life, the tree is able to withstand all that happens versus this other image that the psalmist holds up for us. When we live by the conventional norms of the world, the advice, the guidance, the priorities and values of our current age and society, we're like dust. You imagine a handful of dust and all it takes is one little breath, and it scatters. There's a lot of scattering in our world today. Maybe even we feel scattered internally. And so what the psalmist invites us to is to follow a different path, to follow a path that leads to life, that leads to fullness, to richness, and to meaning. And this is the journey that we're going to go on together over the next several weeks. We're going to be learning these new rhythms, rhythms and habits, opportunities of engaging with the world and opportunities engaging in our own interior world. Ways like silence and solitude. Words that for some of us will scare us. For some of us will feel foreign. For some of us will feel weird and strange and cumbersome. So silence and solitude. Fasting and simplicity. Generosity. Service. Compassion. Community. These rhythms that will help us learn how to examine our own lives, to study what is going on inside of us and who God calls us to be. Rhythms that will ultimately help us experience what it means to to be fully connected to God and fully connected to ourselves and fully connected to others. It's an experience that will leave us closer to who God calls us to be. And so as we think about this question, who are you becoming? Who do you want to become? I hope that you'll join us on this journey. I hope that you will step out into the unknown, into the parts that are unfamiliar, that feel foreign, that feel strange. Because I believe that there's more waiting for us. There is a greater depth and meaning to this life than the one that many of us currently experience. We don't have to live hurried. Frantic, distracted, exhausted, and anxious, feeling like we're never able to measure up or do enough to find peace and rest. No, this way leads to life. It leads to peace. It leads to joy. It leads to love. It leads to all of the fruits of the Spirit that we can find within the presence of God. This is what I want for us. This is what I want for us as a church. This is what I want for myself. Because ultimately, who we are becoming should look like the person of Jesus Christ. And I can't wait to go on this journey with you. So let me pray for our time together this morning. And we'll jump off into the unknown together. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are constant and unchanging. Always present and always listening. God, you know what we need before we ask. And you know our ignorance and asking. So God, in these moments, help us to begin to live a new way. In a new experience, in a new rhythm that draws us closer to you. That helps us tap into the depth and meaning of life that you have designed us for. That helps us avoid the superficialities and the surface level and the emptiness that we find all around us, to ignore all of the choices and the voices and to focus in on those vital few things that truly matter most and that help us to become more like you. God, for those of us who are hesitant to start this, for those of us who dismiss this and think it's not relevant for us or won't make a difference, God, convict us, challenge us, and motivate us to try something different, to try something new, and to go on this journey together. Lord, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.